All I right. gotta say though, I'm digging that backdrop. Thank Very you. Perfect. No, the I'm really liking the exposed brick. It's like all over. It's like the whole back here. The here's my. I don't know if I could rotate your computer. I'm pretty sure you just pick it up with your hands. No, I wish I could just rotate the camera. But is that the door you poop in? No, that's the door I poop. In. <laughs> <laughs> we found the intro to the show. Let's go. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back to another fabulous installment of the Matt and Dennis podcast. I, of course, Dennis Fancy, and I'm not wasting any time getting into it with my esteemed colleague and my best buddy. <laughs> That's Brown. What's shaking, baby? Dennis, not a whole lot. Uh, happy to be with you here as always. Another round of, sorry, I just got an email. Another round of, uh, I know. I know. Another round of uh, two rounds of college hoops um, in the books here. Baseball starts tomorrow. And naturally, what would signal opening day, especially for a team like the New York Yankees, than the worst weather imaginable for opening day? Couldn't think of anything better. Excited to go over all this uh, in this episode. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's really unfortunate when I looked at the weather report and also put down a bunch of parlays on some teams tomorrow because, yeah, the MGM app went full bore on the main screen of baseball so of course down the rabbit hole i went Mm -hmm. and uh found out that yes much like the weather here today in virginia and dc it is supposed to be crappy in uh northeastern america so we may not even see baseball tomorrow on opening day but that's unfortunate but matt i want to kick it off with another sport a sport that we have talked about on this podcast twice in-depthly probably mentioned it here or there you're a big fan of, I know we have some listeners that are big fans of, hey, we have 1% to 2% listenership in some European countries. You know they're big into this sport, soccer. And Matt, my, usually I go on Twitter just for news, for work, sports-wise, what I have to. And for the most part, I have it geared towards my likings. It's New York sports and then the sports that I work in. Every now and then other sports dip in there and I see what's going on in the world. And last week, the U.S. men's soccer team has not, let's just flat out say it, they have sucked once again and missed the cut for the U.S. Olympic team. Well, the Olympics as a whole, they had a U.S. Olympic team, they're just not going to be playing in the Olympics. I want your opinion because you're the soccer guy, you are a fan I don't know if you have a European team. I don't think you do, but you are a big time U.S. men's soccer fan of the Orlando City. What are they called? The Lions. Lions. Okay, I didn't want to like go off and say Lions. I know they have like a lion or like a cat mascot. So, I mean, cat of the cat family. But most people don't typically like say like go Lions. It's more like go Orlando, go City. The Lion is yeah. their mascot in their logo, but it's not like well, and even on their jerseys, it's like. A hospital, right, or a health? Something. Orlando Health, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I pay attention. Which works yeah. out because a lot of MLS teams and, and clubs in different uh, countries have uh, very obscure uh, advert or, or companies that are advertising on their jerseys. At least Orlando's has the name, the word Orlando in there, and not just some weird. That's true. It's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point. Uh, but I want your opinion just because this gone into my news and I just couldn't believe it that here we are yet again and we had this conversation towards the end of last year and had this conversation at the beginning of this year 
maybe even a little bit last year where we we're going through the COVID pandemic and stuff, just there wasn't sports to talk about. So we were talking about sports gaining interest in this country and soccer was one of those. We talked about how the XFL was playing in a lot of soccer stadiums. I went to Audi Field or, or yeah. Audi Field, Audi State, whatever the hell it's called here in DC to watch that XFL team. It's a nice stadium. I think it can draw. It, it could grow. But once again, on the main stage, you mentioned in, before we were talking the World Cup, if you miss that, that's big problems. Well, why wouldn't they miss the World Cup if they can't make it to the Olympics? I think for the average soccer fan or a fan trying to get into the sport, if you miss the Olympics, if you miss the World Cup, that's major problems. So I'm to the point where I'm saying, don't try to get me invested into soccer. I'm not going to care because our men's team suck. And it's unfortunate because our women's team might be one of the best of all time. I just, it's hard for me to get more invested into soccer as a whole. And look, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to watch it to begin with, but I would have a little more stake in it if our men's, mm -hmm. this is, I think what they're talking about, how, how great the women's national team is. And yet revenue wise, they can't generate what the men would generate. Well, the men can't generate Jack because they're not making it. I think this is a major problem for the growth of soccer in this country. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, Dennis, first off, as your partner on the show here, I uh, would like to thank you for giving this topic the time of day repeatedly, because as much as you rag on it on the air, off the air, and when we just hang out. And I think that's why I give it the time of day. I get to rag on it because they time and time again showed that it will never matter in this country. Uh, and that's where I think you're wrong, but I'll get to that. Um, Thank you for letting us us discuss this on this in this forum. Um, well, first off, I'll say this before we get into the specifics of what is happening with U.S. soccer right now and what you're referring to with the U.S. U23 team um, missing out on the Olympics for what I believe is the third straight time. Um, to, to to just talk and, and this is why, as a big uh, soccer fan of the the U.S. soccer team and just soccer in the United States, the progression of the sport here. I think this is why the current state of the U.S. Soccer Federation is so, uh, what's the word, so frustrating, I guess, um, to, to, put it, uh, to put it easily. Um, the reason it's so frustrating is because, like you mentioned, you are someone that does not actively search for soccer content, yet you find it, you kind of stumble upon it, you, it interests you enough to bring it up and, and ask the question, what the heck is going on here? We're America. We should be good at everything what the heck is happening in a country of over 330 million people? Why can't we be good yet? The Iceland soccer team could have success in the world's cup where Iceland has the population of like a quarter of the city of New York, if that. Um, but anywho, I think it's so frustrating because using you Dennis, as an example, someone that kind of, just kind of watches soccer go by, but you have an ear for it. Like you're hearing, you're kind of, you understand where they stand on the global scale. That's the person that U S soccer should be going after. That's the person that U S soccer should say, let's get them to open their wallet and maybe buy a ticket to a game, whether it's U S whether it's MLS, let's get them to turn on ESPN FS one on a Tuesday night and watch a U.S. world qualifying match. They're not there yet, but they're a sports fan in America. They are of a young demographic how do we get them in the seats? And U.S. soccer has done over the last 15, 20 years, for the most part, um, has done a, a great job of that. Because with young demographics, with a lot of up-and-coming cities 
in America, Orlando being one of them, Austin, Texas being another one that just got a team, Seattle, Washington that has one of the best, if not the best fan base, Portland, Oregon, Los Angeles, all of these cities adding teams, building new stadiums with young demographics where soccer is really excelling. So as we go on here, this is what's so frustrating. The U.S. should be in every World Cup. They should be in every Olympics. They should be in every chance they can get, regardless of the age group, men's or women's. The women are doing it, so that's not a problem. But to, to be on every stage you can be around the world is one thing. But and let's start with America first, because this has been a prime example. This is why I got so many big, passionate U.S. soccer fans got so frustrated about them missing the last World Cup was you thought about how much people cared about the World Cup previous to that. The, the run against Belgium, the, goal, the one before uh, with Landon Donovan scoring um, against Algeria. That's one of the greatest moments in American sports history, at least in my life. And everyone was running around waving American flags. Bars were, were packed to the brim at one o'clock on a, on a weekday afternoon. Then you started seeing MLS explode. All of these new teams, all of these brand new stadiums. You went to one of them, and then you missed the the World Cup, and now you missed the Olympics for a third straight time. I thought when we missed the World Cup, the U.S. Soccer Federation, and I used this in a text earlier today, would have just flipped the house upside down and said, "All right, whatever we were just doing is not working. Let's get some young talent in here. Let's make the game more affordable for people. Let's make the game." Um, uh, easier to um, uh, what's the word um, more accessible and while again the Olympics I'm not going to get as bent out of shape over it just because there were a lot of key components to the U23 team that were not playing on this team because of their European um, responsibilities which i think is another thing if we can't get around that then u.s soccer is going to struggle because the best american players are all playing in europe they're not playing in america mm-hmm. um that's one is issue that not a problem in itself though it's a massive problem it's is a, that not writing on the wall yeah well but then one, at the same time those players can't play on those national teams or for those world cup to in those countries they have to play here in america so i understand maybe the competition wise you go over there but at the end of the day, you're coming back here to play for this national team. So right. are they not sure. just coming back to play for this national team or do they just not give a crap? It, what I mean, does America do it? Because it, to me, look, if you, I don't think you'll ever be able to compete with the premier league and those leagues over there. I have tons of, I know tons of people that are massive fans of a lot of teams in those leagues. And I get it. I'm just not waking my ass up at 6am sometimes on a Saturday to watch a game live. So it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Some people record them and you know, they play at all weird times. It would take a lot for me to get invested. I have the sports that I love. They, they care about, they rule my year. My year is literally pegged in order of how sports go. I'm not adding soccer to it. And I, and I, I but, think here's the thing, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I, I don't think, I don't think when, when I think about people like, like me, I'm always trying to get friends of mine more invested in soccer and the U S soccer federation is trying to do the same thing. I don't think they're trying to turn you Dennis Vinci into a massive USA soccer fan. So you have, you pick a team and you like DC United or you like the USA soccer team, you're throwing posters up all over your room. I don't think they want that because not everyone has, is, has that much of a stake in every single sport. The giants, I live and breathe giants football. The Yankees, if I miss a few games here and there, I'm like, whatever, I'll like hear about it later. 
Well, it's, some, it's fans, some fans think about soccer as I live and breathe this. They're not necessarily looking for everyone to become a massive fan. They're just looking to put some butts in seats, get some more viewership um, on TV. And then in, even from just a, from a developmental standpoint, as the demographic in these cities stays young, that future youth programs or people want to join future youth programs. And we would see the future of American soccer um, better than it is right now, but, but everything you're well, saying. This is why I thought we had this conversation and we definitely had it in the pandemic because soccer was one of the first sports to come back in this country when everything shut down in the tournament that they did down in Orlando. So you're right to where these certain cities where they're growing and they're growing the game, they put in, was it Texas and Nashville or Austin and Nashville were the two cities this, that they added this year. So they're growing and that's good. And they're going into, you know, populated areas with obviously a lot of youth. They're going to compete with the NBA. I think the NBA has the youth demographic. They have, they have done a com- incredible job of grabbing that and on a world level, but soccer still is the number one sport worldwide. So if you can grab these kids, these kids come over from different countries, whether it's to come to college, whatever it is. And then obviously in these different areas across the country to find kids that are invested in soccer. Maybe you're right. Maybe in 10, 12, 15 years, we see soccer really on the main stage competing with, again, a lot of people still believe that in 20 years, the NFL won't be a thing that football just will disintegrate because there's not enough kids playing it, not enough people being built into it. Mm-hmm. So soccer is one of the sports that's going to take off. Maybe in the next 10 to 15 years, soccer becomes something that we're all watching, invested in. And the men, I think the women are obviously on a big old trajectory upwards and have sustained success and probably will continue that you'd imagine the rest of the world will be catching up to them somewhat like we saw the men's national basketball team did in the mid two thousands, when the dream team, 2.0 got together and you saw the rest of the world kind of catch up. And that, I mean, not that we didn't have it before, but there is a huge influx of European talent coming into the NBA in the last 20 years, solely because of what us men's basketball did on a global scale. Maybe that's what we see soccer. And then that global scale then comes and affects us like the NBA affected the rest of the world. I, I don't know, but I, I think you're onto something there where these younger kids are going to watch soccer. They come up, they're eight years old now and in 20 years they're part of the men's national team for the world cup and the olympics and it's it's something that oh of course u.s men's soccer made it not how could they not make it again what is going on right in this sport where they're not finding success well that and and that's one of the issues uh, again i i used right when we started this i used the uh, the world cup um where the u.s um eventually lost to belgium which was a pretty solid run for the u.s uh, the year um, Donovan had the game time goal against Algeria to go to the next or to get out of the group stage. Those were times where you had every diehard soccer fan, but you had the, un, the, 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 the common sports fan in America trying to get to bars early and leaving work on their lunch break to go and watch that. That was what hurt the most because in those between those two World Cups, how much soccer grew, how much more popular it became, with not just diehard soccer fans, but the, just the common sports fan in America. That was what was so rough about missing the World Cup because everything was clicking for the U.S., for soccer in America. Everything. View, TV viewing, uh, uh, um, attendance at, at soccer games, um, sign-ups for youth leagues in America. Everything was, was clicking. 
and then they miss the World Cup. And then you have a lot of people, the common soccer fans, like, wait, wait, what? when's the World Cup? What, what do you mean we're not in it? We literally just watched it. Like, how, how could the U.S. We're just, we just assume that we're going to be in it. And, and this, is, this is the frustrating thing. I, I will say this from a, a men's, from a general men's national team standpoint, uh, World Cup qualifying is beginning uh, in Europe. It'll come through here shortly. U.S. has the Gold Cup over the summer, which draws a pretty decent crowd on TV. Um, the World Cup will be held in Qatar late 2022, um, I believe. So it begins right now. And I, I think U.S. soccer has a, a is in a better position to avoid what happened um, last World Cup qualifying. I like the talent, uh, not to be biased, but there's a few really young, talented players um, from Orlando, one of which uh, got loaned out to Europe and is probably going to be worth close to $20 million. So Orlando City is probably going to be given a gift of $20 million, which an MLS you could do a crap ton of stuff with. So U.S. soccer, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Greg Berhalter, their coach, um, but I haven't really been a huge fan of any of the coaches uh, the U.S. have had um, in the past five to ten years. So Dennis, we'll see. Not, it was, it was, we should not have missed the Olympics, but again, I'm not shocked considering that we couldn't get half of our team um, to be available for but I mean, it's all, it's full steam ahead now for us soccer has a very busy spring, very busy summer. And that runs right into world cup qualifying, which if people want to see the U S in the world's cup, it starts now. It, it starts this spring. It's going to be here till next November, December of 2022 when it's make or break for us soccer Two missed world cups would be disastrous for this program and for the sport in America. And hopefully we'll talk more about this as it progresses and hopefully it's good things, but I appreciate bringing it up. No, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that is absolutely something that should be worrisome for this sport that you and I both believe can become more popular and become lucrative in this country. It just hasn't gotten to that next level yet. I would still put it, you know, maybe tied for fourth. If, I don't even know if I would give third place in this country to anybody with the NFL being head honcho, the NBA being underneath them, and then everybody kind of trying to get the third place, but everybody, it's a shared level just to get into that third place spot. I don't think the NHL, MLB, MLS kind of owns it. But uh, yeah, I think we'll definitely continue to bring it up. All with this said, obviously, it's just tough and hopefully more people pay attention to what the women's national team is doing because there is clearly talent there. They're clearly one of the more dominant teams we've seen when you go back and look at some of these national teams across any country for that fact. Women's teams are the, the best team in the world, bar none. They have yeah. for But it's just – it is what it is where the men's team gains this attention. If they are going to consistently get the crap end of the stick – I'm sorry to start looking towards the women and if people just need to start budging where give them more money, I guess, flat out, just give them everything they need to continue the success of that, pro that program. Cause if you want to grow this game in this country, if the men aren't up to par to do it right now, and you said this is a very important couple of months coming up for them, the women can clearly do it. They're clearly talented. They ju I just don't know if they have the resources, the facilities 
to make that happen. And then the backing, it's flat out that, but it's just the unfortunate circumstance of what women's sports deals with. We saw obviously what's happened with the NCAA tournament and how the women were kind of treated. And once again, they don't really care. They're still balling out. And I think, I mean, we can get into this, but I think the women may have gave us the best March Madness game as far as with maybe even two of them, with the overtime game, with Michigan and Texas A&M over the weekend, and then what happened with UConn and Baylor. That probably rivaled uh, to a degree Michigan-UCLA, but both those teams, they really didn't play well. And then what was the overtime game that happened in the Sweet 16 for the men? For the we just had an overtime game. Yes, that was uh, it. Like the Houston Oregon State game got okay, wow. but they both played bad. But we had one overtime game, and now I'm blanking on. Yeah, that was uh, was it Arkansas? Was it Arkansas? Was it Arkansas? I feel like that's right. Arkansas Oral Roberts. They go to overtime. Arkansas Oral Roberts. Nope. What one was it? This is the issue. This is why I can't. This is what I think the, as good as the men's tournament has been, it's just has been eh, whatever, you know. Was it? Yeah, I. We definitely just had an overtime game over the weekend. Yeah, I don't remember who it was. Let me hold on. Either way, we can find that, and I'll bring us on to our next topic, which is that the NCAA tournament. And I was somewhat right. I'm going to start it right. We, we, we can go back and recap a little bit of the Sweet 16 from Saturday and Sunday, but the Elite Eight-wise, I mean, I really believed when I filled out my bracket, I had four one seeds and obviously one one. And my team losing in the championship, which was Illinois, completely crapped the bed against Loyola Chicago and give them all the credit in the world. But at the same time, in their next performance in Loyola Chicago, they looked awful. You feel Alabama. At, UCLA, Alabama. Okay. So that, those two games, I saw both of them featuring UCLA, but I don't think UCLA played that well. Michigan definitely didn't play that well last night. So Alabama, UCLA, which was an all right game. Thank heavens. I can't believe I don't even remember this, but thank heavens for that. That was the overtime game I had the over in. And if it didn't head to overtime, it wouldn't hit. So I should have remembered my degenerate side. I would have picked up on it a little bit quicker, but we head into the final four with two one seeds. I think the two one seeds, Three months ago, everyone assumed would get to this point, and that's Baylor and Gonzaga. Gonzaga continues to dominate. They have not uh, – their last 29 games, I think it is, they've won by double digits. The last game in which they did not was a game in December against West Virginia where they won by like seven or eight. Uh, so they're just – the way Timmy plays inside, uh, Kispert is one of the best all-around players in the country – Suggs is going to be a lottery pick. They're just off the charts. Unbelievable. Uh, I just want to start with Michigan. I mean, I think it's, it's great for UCLA to get to this point. It's great for UCLA to be back kind of on this level. They're one of the blue, bro- blue bloods of college basketball. They just kind of haven't felt like it. It was 07, 08, I think was their last final four, which featured Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook. So it kind of makes you think, what the hell happened to this program where in 2008, you had these two guys, you had this level of talent coming into your team, you're making final fours. And then UCLA kind of fell off the face of the earth. Now they're finally getting back to it with Mick Cronin, who comes from the American conference with Cincinnati, taking a PAC 12 team kind of back to relevance uh, in just his second year. But 
just Michigan, I thought I just, I don't know. I just offensively, I thought that they could score more. It looked like UCLA really just controlled it from the start. It was going to go back and forth. And it just, I was more confident in UCLA making it happen. And then just the, just because we're recency bias and it was the last game that we saw Juwan Howard, I thought draw drew up some nice plays at the end of the game, but for Michigan to have three, three separate chances at either tying it or taking the lead. And all three of those chances are three pointers. First off the first one for, um, why can't I remember his name? Who took the three, uh, Wagner just completely airballs it. And then they get the rebound, but it, it comes up and it, and it's called a timeout. They get the ball back. I just, I don't know why everything was drawn up for a win. Why they didn't try to attack inside somewhere with either Wagner or Dickerson. And that just wasn't the case. It was, we're going to take a three pointer and we're going to go for the win here. I, I don't know why. I mean, they had good looks, really good looks two or three times, but at the end of the day, UCLA survives and they're on to the final four. So, I mean, I don't know if you have any initial thoughts for what we are coming into the final four. I mean, kind of work our way backwards. Yeah. Or if you want to start sweet 16, if anything kind of surprised you. Well, Dennis, I'll say this. Um, I'd be remiss um, if I didn't mention um, since Ellis has not joined us again and it's because the big 10 did not do so hot. Uh, and I would just like to say that. That's actually, that's actually true. They had a tough, tough early going. He didn't join us. And now here we are. We're previewing the final four, which when the title game will take place as well before our next episode. No Big Ten teams. No oh, there, but there is a team from another conference. The American Conference, still alive. The Houston I Cougars. Jenna, baby. So uh, thank you, the Houston Cougars. Such a shame to see no one from the Big Ten after having pretty much the entire conference in there. Um, so shout out to the American Conference. Final four bound. Anywho, Dennis, uh, I'll say a couple of things. Um, one of the big points I made before the tournament was Gonzaga, and it was the same one that pretty much everyone made. It's like they are so good. They are the favorite to win it all, but they come from the whack. What happens when they actually play teams from the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the ACC? What's that going to look like? Um, and while I'm still not incredibly impressed with the road that they've had to get here, I am incredibly impressed with how they have handled that road. It's been dominant fashion across the board. Absolute domination. If they were winning these games, but it was like, oh, they were kind of trailing or it was back and forth or what have you, I might be like, okay, Gonzaga, get to the final four and play like a real team. Like, because Creighton's not doing it for me. Uh, USC, I thought, would put up a better fight than they did. Oklahoma, same thing. Thought they would put up a better fight than they did. But Gonzaga's just dominating these teams. Absolute domination. And credit to UCLA from a couple things to think about with, with the, the run from, from UCLA is one, first four to final four, which is a, a feat in itself. It's the only uh, second time it's ever happened. Yeah. ECU is the other one. Two, beating two Michigan teams that hate each other's guts. <laughs> so it was kind of like Michigan uh, fans kind of saying, oh, Michigan State, you lost to UCLA. They were an 11 seed. And now it's, ah, oh, Michigan, you lost to UCLA. <laughs> so credit to UCLA for 
for doing that. But I, I think, unfortunately, barring some miracle that I just don't see happening, I think UCLA gets smoked in this Final Four. I, I don't think this one's going to be close. I, I see this. I, I think that spread, Dennis, is going to have to be at least minus 14 or minus 15. For so it kind of opened, I think, at 13 and a half. But okay. it kind of hasn't been a st- – I, I haven't really looked at it. I didn't look at any basketball lines, so I don't know. More than I thought it would be. I, I would put that as a as a higher spread person. Well, here's the issue. Vegas has to protect themselves because, like I said, Gonzaga hasn't lost – one, they haven't lost. They haven't played a game in which they didn't win by double figures in the last 28 games. So right. you have to protect yourselves and go a little bit into the double-digit spectrum to get people to bet the under – assuming that Gonzaga continues this role. Right. Um, to talk more about, like, the Michigan-UCLA game, that game was putrid last night. <laughs> Absolutely putrid. Neither one of these teams could score. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Michigan, the last five minutes, UCLA wasn't making any shots either. But no. Michigan, as the better team in this situation, in this matchup, because without Isaiah Livers, I said I didn't have Michigan going to the Final Four or even really tasting it but I also didn't have Michigan playing UCLA in the elite eight either. So if you would have told me that Michigan would run into UCLA in the elite eight, I would have said, well, Michigan's going to the final four and UCLA did not have a good game. Michigan, the the final four or five minutes could not make a shot. You mentioned all the threes and I agree with you there, but there were plenty of twos in there as well that they couldn't make. No, hundred percent. And the six, I think the last three, I forget who shot it from Michigan shot with like six or seven seconds left. Why wouldn't you go for two there? You did not need a three. and you, it They looked, never needed a three. It looked like you had a fairly decent-sized lane there where they could have drove to the basket and had a much better two than like a three on the on the go. That, that's what it looked like to me. Um, but, in, but anywho, again, just a, just a putrid game. It, it's a bummer for Michigan because they've done really well, a lot better in this tournament than I thought they would without livers. We talked about it. At nauseum, the Florida State game. I thought at least Florida State would have that really close, if not beat Michigan. And Michigan was dominant in that one the whole time. It's crazy that they had that kind of a performance against a Florida State team that, on their best day, is much better than that UCLA team that we watched beat Michigan last night. Um, but you know, Michigan made it to the Elite Eight. I took them out of my Final Four for a reason because I didn't think they could get there. I mean, they had a much weaker road to get there than I thought they would have had but they still nonetheless did not get there. And I think that's not in all parts, but due in large part to um, Isaiah Livers not being there, who made multiple camera appearances in every single one of their games. Um, the other matchups, uh, the Loyola-Chicago run was a bummer. Oregon State um, played really well in that. Their luck obviously um, ran out against a Houston team. But, but Matt... I want to give credit to the bees because they came back in that basketball game. Mm-hmm. Houston dominated from tip off and then he and Oregon state worked their way back into it too little, too late. I want to go back to Michigan really quick, just because like you said, not the toughest road, but at the same time, they went toe to toe with a very, very good and equipped offensive team at LSU and went toe to toe with them and kind of ran them out of the building to the, to a degree. Was- and then with the floor, with the Florida state team, we're talking about two teams. The reason Florida state has gotten to this point is their wings and their guards are so big, so long that they're able to corral you in the half court, create turnovers and get transition buckets. And Michigan completely slowed down that basketball game, 
completely owned it, never gave Florida State that chance, and at the same time stopped Florida State from shooting threes, driving to the hole and getting in. They completely dominated that basketball game. And then they show up in the UCLA game, and it was just, what is this basketball team? Inside, yeah. I did not see Dickerson really at all. A little bit in the second half, he had a little bit of a run. They went back and forth, trading some fouls, but eh. And then shooting-wise, it was porous. But, yeah, you can keep going on your – No, I, I, I think, again, I'm super pumped uh, that Houston is going to go into the Final Four. I think they have a, a terrific shot at a, a Baylor team that played better than I thought they would. Um, I didn't have Baylor as my first choice out of that region. I didn't have Baylor as my second choice out of that region. I didn't have Baylor as my third choice out of that region. You're crazy. So um, they proved me wrong. Dennis, one team I, I do want to give, and, and they got knocked out barely by the team that eventually got knocked out by Baylor, Oral Roberts. And credit to you. I think credit to both of us. I mean, yours Old is Eagle, baby. More, you don't didn't have Oral Roberts going. You jumped on the bandwagon. You were not on the same level of optimism that I was. No, hold on. One. Hold on. That's not what I was saying. I said, you didn't have Oral Roberts going far, but you saw their potential. You had them in the first round, not in your bracket. So don't give yourself too many pats on the back. But you saw them. didn't have them in one, just not the one I really cared about. Right. So Oral Roberts, I think, wins the award as the quote-unquote Cinderella of the tournament. Not only did they make it far, but they looked good, and they probably should have been in the Elite Eight. Um, they, it, was that, it was that close against Arkansas. I will tip my hat to myself, not as much of a stretch as Oral Roberts was, but my biggest uh, pick that I've had up to this point was Loyola Chicago in the Sweet 16. And they unfortunately didn't show up the way I thought they would against Oregon State. I thought they about to say, you pat yourself on the back for the beat over Illinois because you definitely called it. Yeah. But then yeah. they looked awful yeah. over the weekend in the Sweet 16. Just, I don't know what happened to that basketball team. And I didn't have Actually, them. They made a week to prepare. This wasn't like, all right, we play, we have a day off, then we have to play the next day to prepare for this team that we don't know much about. They had a week. On, they looked awful. On this show, I did, I had them. You could just, on this show, I said that I thought they'd beat Oregon State and then I thought they would beat Houston and go to the Final Four. On my bracket, I didn't have Loyola Chicago going any far. I had them losing in the Sweet 16 because I thought Oklahoma State would still be there. Obviously, that didn't happen. They lost to Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the, just to look at a Final Four from my bracket perspective, I got uh, one team right, and that is the Zags. <laughs> and unfortunately for me um, – and they're my champion that I have. Unfortunately for me, everyone and their mother also has them. Yeah. So I don't think I will be winning any money um, uh, by next Monday night when uh, the tournament is said and done, unfortunately. But those are those are my kind of initial thoughts, my highlights um, from the, the past weekend. And um, we could – I don't know if you, what else you want to say or if we could go into it. No, I just think uh... – Look, I'm happy that Houston has gotten to where they are. The job Kellen Sampson has done with that program deserves tremendous credit, getting them back to really basketball relevance. Because you talk to anyone that's a basketball fan from the mid to late 80s and into the 90s, Houston was one of those programs that you watch. Obviously, the fly Sam Gemma era. Fly Sam Sam Gemma era. Uh, I mean, they got the three straight Final Fours or whatever it was. They haven't really been relevant since the early 90s so or even the mid-90s. So anyone now our age or younger, they don't really know Houston basketball. So getting them back on the map like this, and now you're seeing 
old pictures and game highlights and seeing just what this program used to be. That's awesome. And hats off to Calvin Sampson for really doing that and building the program the way he has wanted and hats off to Houston, those administrators above him, giving him the opportunity to hire the staffers that he wants. Obviously he and a bunch of other people came from the Oklahoma teams with Joe Castiglione or Joe Castiglione, now the athletic director at Oklahoma, blah, 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 blah. Uh, my biggest takeaway is Baylor. And I am on the record on this podcast saying that I thought over the weekend, Villanova could beat them and would beat them. That was the one game I wanted to watch. And it was more so not the fact that I thought Villanova would win. I wanted to see Baylor continue to move forward into what they were in December and January and even early February before they got hit with COVID. And they had a 26, 27 day pause, whatever it was. And they looked okay coming back. And then they had a loss and they got tested and they almost lost to a team that didn't have any conference wins in Iowa state. They are back. They are absolutely back. They completely controlled that game against Villanova. They looked completely in control in the elite eight. And I'm just hoping, look, I think the storyline would be great for Houston to get to the national title game. I think they're a good basketball team, but the country deserves to see the two best teams and all season long, everyone believed it was Gonzaga and Baylor and everybody else. Michigan crept their way into that. Baylor got hit with a pause. A lot of people were much higher on Michigan, me being one of them. Michigan got hit with a pause. Now we were kind of teetering. It left teams or Houston still sticking around. Illinois worked their way into it. Uh, Florida State on the outside looking in as a dark horse kind of coming into the tournament. But Baylor and Gonzaga have been the tried and true best teams this season in college basketball. That is what I hope we see in the national title game. And honestly, if it's not Baylor, I think Gonzaga just rolls to a national title. I, th I think they... I think if the spread will settle around 12 or 13, I think Gonzaga will cover that. I think UCLA will put up a fight. They're good enough. I think they will do everything they can to slow them down, to try and create transition offense for them. I don't know if they're going to be able to. I don't know if they're going to be able to control the glass inside. I think Timmy is just too good for Gonzaga. And I, they just, the passing, it's like a work of art when you watch these guys on the court just an extra pit, not just one extra pass, but two or three. And the guy's wide open every time they have shooters all over the floor. They have guys that can go to the rack and finish and finish strong and get to the free throw line. They're too good. They're too deep. And I think that UCLA just doesn't have enough to compete with them. And that said, Houston, the same Houston's great on the glass. I think Houston, they can crash the boards. They can get offensive rebounds. They can get second chance points. I think Baylor's the better team. I think Baylor will win the game. And I think Baylor will, I think that spread open to like five, maybe six, five and a half. I think they cover two, just because I think Baylor will be able to play their game and play their tempo as opposed to Houston and Houston. I think they can eliminate them from getting so many second chance points. If for some reason I'm wrong and Houston can play to their strengths and they're shooting the lights out and they get to the title game. Awesome. Hats off to them. But at the same time, I don't think they're equipped enough with their starting five and even a couple of guys coming off the bench to compete with Gonzaga. I think Baylor can keep it close. But I'm sorry, I think this is Gonzaga's title to lose. And they haven't looked tested yet. This is March Madness. We have seen great teams go down. Great teams have poor performances. Gonzaga has been locked in 
from round one. They won their first round game by over 30 points. No other one seed did that. They've dominated all these great teams, these great teams that have had upsets along the way. Look at what UC, USC did to a Kansas team. It was a good team. They obliterated them in the Sweet 16. Absolutely dominated them. Or not in the Sweet, round 32, sorry. That here's was the thing. That was Oregon in the Sweet 16. But here's the thing. And they, they, looked, like a, they looked like an amateur team against Gonzaga. And so, I, I watch Pac-12 games here and there. UCLA and USC, in a lot of ways, not always, have a similar build. They have a similar makeup and what they're what they're good at, and and I think that spells trouble for what you're saying for UCLA to have any sort of fight or any sort of shot at this. I just think that this is the thing that bums me out as a basketball fan. I have no ill will towards Gonzaga for any reason, other than I just want them to play better teams because. It's easy to be undefeated when you're loaded in the whack and all the other teams are are average at best. I think I think Gonzaga is winning this all. Um, I think they'll run through UCLA. I think if they're fortunate enough to get Houston, which I think can pull the upset, I don't think they will. I think Baylor will meet Gonzaga in the finals. And I think that will be the biggest test, Gonzaga. Obviously the biggest test they've faced so far. I wish their road was a little... I shouldn't say rockier. I just wish it was more challenging because that's, I, that's what I wanted to see. That's what we talked about when the, the bracket came out um, before any game started. I said, Gonzaga's good, and they're the favorite, and they're everyone's favorite. But I got to see how they play with some teams that are not whack teams. And they played some decent teams, USC and Oklahoma. I'm not including Creighton in that. Um, and it just – but it – the domination is why I'm sticking with my pick that they'll win it all, but they still didn't really face a challenge that I kind of had hoped they would have faced like maybe in Iowa by this point. Well, I thought, I think that's why you should buy in where they haven't, like you said moments ago, they haven't even been tested at all in any half. It hasn't been like, Ooh, Zags are only up five. We got a tie game going into halftime. No, they've been up double digits going into the half. They have then played that same level in the second half and run they've ran away with every game they played it just i'm saying it, it does it does suck. the beginning of the year they played a kansas team they killed them they were supposed to play baylor they couldn't because of covid so it does suck they were supposed to play two really good teams out of the big 12 they only got one and what was this kansas team kansas was kind of iffy they were barely 500 heading into january before they finally started getting better yeah. and then they made it into the tournament and they only lasted one game so how good were they we don't know but and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that as the as the, uh, like trying to be like a sports analyst or the host of a sports podcast. I'm saying like, that it's it's what everybody brings up. They don't play anybody. Fan, I'm saying as a fan and someone that wants maximum as someone that's team is not in the tournament. I want maximum entertainment. Aside from my bracket, because my bracket usually does not want maximum entertainment. But as a fan who's going to sit on his butt and have some drinks and stuff. I want to see maximum entertainment. I don't want to see Gonzaga winning by 30 every game against Creighton. Like I, I want to, I want to see them. Sadly, I think no matter who they play, that's, that's the case. And I think to your point, USC and uh, UCLA kind of being built the same. Look, the Mobley brothers went off for 35, 36 combined points, whatever it was, both of them are going to be lottery picks. I think Johnny Juzang probably gets whatever he wants from UCLA. He might have 25 at halftime. They don't give a crap. No. They're going to let the other guys try to beat them, and I don't think they will. Correct. Juzang might score 35 on, like, I don't know, 15 of 
21 shooting, but UCLA is going to lose by 16. Correct. So, so it, that, that's the type of game. And it's unfortunate. I think we're at this point where these teams, they have a couple of days they, they can prep. I think UCLA can, I think they can keep it closer than anybody else has. I mean, we're in the elite eight USC lost by 20 yeah. or 19, whatever it ended up being. So closer than that. Yeah. Can they lose by 13, 14? I think so. Yeah. Who knows? They could lose by 20. That's how I good think, this team is. I think UCLA loses by 15 or 16 points. But that, I mean, that's, that's why the first game, I think the first game, Houston Baylor, that's the game to watch. I think they have very different styles of play. I think they're very good coaches. Yeah. I'm worried about Scott Drew because he never knows what to do with the lead. So even if they are up big, don't count Houston out the way they can create second chance opportunities with their rebounding. I think that'll be a good game. Whoever comes out of that, uh, they got their work cut out for them Monday night against Gonzaga. Yeah. My, my prediction is uh, Gonzaga uh, will defeat um, Baylor um, in the championship and the Zags will, again, I don't, I don't think silence the haters is the way to say it because everyone had them winning it. Everyone had them winning it. So like, but it's a huge, it's a big moment because it's finally, they've been to Elite Eights. They've been to Final Four. Somebody pointed out too, I didn't even realize this. They're an Adam Morrison team in the early 2000s. Yeah. They beat, I forget who the team that they beat by, but they won by 25 heading into the Final Four. So that's an even more dominant win than what they did to USC heading into the Final Four. We just don't remember that. One of those and teams then they, lost, uh, lost to UConn in Elite Eight, if I remember correctly, or Sweet Sixteen, possible. somewhere around there. And then they lost. I forget the it was Duke and somebody, whoever the title game was. Yeah. I'd have to go back and find the tweet, but yeah, it's just this Gonzaga team has been here before. They've dominated before. They've had great teams. Can they finally get over the hump? Most recently, they were in a national title game and almost beat North Carolina. North Carolina wins though. So this team needs a title to cement itself as one of the new bloods, quote unquote, of college basketball right now. They don't have it yet. And not even talking about that. They could go for an undefeated season with all that's happened in this season and COVID and whatnot. They might finish the year undefeated. That's a feat in itself. We know how hard it is to win night in and night out. But Matthew, I think they will. Okay. I think they both. I think too. We think we both have Gonzaga over Baylor Monday night. I think that's what it was. You got any thoughts on the women? They play Friday night in Final Four. UConn winning a uh, controversial game against yeah. Baylor. LeBron James was tweeting. I think. I think. Gino and- daughter was tweeting. Gino with one of the best lines ever, saying, "I've never heard LeBron James have a win and then go back and watch the film and say, oh, that was a foul. They should get the W.'" So. I will say Gino. I love him. I will say this. I won. It's hilarious. I, I, I like Gino is such a, a a dick sometimes, and I love it. And all of the, the rival his rival coaches in women's college basketball, like from uh, Baylor, like from Notre Dame, from South Carolina, they all hate his guts, and you can see it visibly, and it's awesome. Um, and you could hear it in the press conferences and and, and all of that. And um, I will say this because I was watching that game, and it was awesome. It was better than the men's. I was men's. watching it too. It was more entertaining than the men's. Yeah, it was better than the, the men's, men's had blowouts. The men's games I've seen. And a lot of people, including some of the high profile athletes you just mentioned, oh, that was in a foul and Baylor got gypped. And I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. That probably was a foul, probably a missed call. 
crucial moment of the game. You're probably right. Maybe don't let UConn on that level and that important of a game go on a 19 and 0 run minutes before. Then you probably don't have to worry about the refs missing a bang bang play with under five seconds left. That's yeah. that would be my response to all of them. You're probably right. Was it a foul? Probably. But don't go on, don't let the opposing team go on a 19-0 run, and then you know what happens. You probably don't have to worry about that call. Probably not. So but uh we'll play Friday night. UConn and Arizona, Arizona for final four for the women's program. Obviously, the men's is super successful over history. And then South Carolina, who's dominant. I don't know if you saw this, and this is, I mean, they beat Texas 10-0 in the fourth quarter. Did you see that? They didn't yep. allow Texas a single bucket yep. in the fourth quarter. I don't know how that's possible. But it happened. And then Stanford, which I didn't realize this, they're still Vander Deer. Vander, I think it's Vander Deer, something like that. Their head coach, she's been there since like 92, 91. She, they don't, Stanford doesn't have a national championship since then. So they've been, they're the number one overall seed. They've been relevant in women's basketball. It's tough for women, like their championship. A lot of years, it's one and two seeds against each other. There's not huge upsets. This year, there are, Two ones, Arizona's a three. I forget who's playing South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina's a, a one. So three ones and a three are in their final four. So again, it's, you know, UConn heavily favored just because it's a three seed, but it is what it is. Their final four is Friday, their national titles on Sunday. So go UConn, because I don't know if you watch Paige Becker's play. Obviously, you watch the game. She's kind of un- unbelievable. Matt, as of this recording, tomorrow's opening day in Major League Baseball. So before we wrap up, Let's give some quick thoughts, some analysis mm-hmm. on our hopes for the season. I'm going to take a bathroom break while you start yours. Uh, I don't think we have to go too in-depth. I think we bring our good buddy Ellis Gill when he can finally face the uh, critics because his conference is in the tank, and he can give us some baseball thoughts. Maybe even the great Don Costanzo because the Mets, they're picked by a lot of people this year. I don't believe it. I see all over Twitter that we have some rumors that the Mets are going to offer a huge contract to Francisco Lindor, but we'll let that happen yeah. when it does. So, Matt, initial thoughts, yeah. if we actually see the Yankees play tomorrow against the right. Blue Jays, because uh, of weather. Right. Dennis, I feel like we've seen this opening day movie before where it's 30-something degrees, it's pouring rain all day, maybe a chance of snow. Not tomorrow, but that, that has happened um, in the past few years. I'm, I'm so excited about this. Um, I mean, I'm always excited about opening day. But how could you not? Have, how can it not be a bit more special? Granted, stadium's not going to be full. Granted, I'll be at work tomorrow, and it's a one o'clock start uh, for our beloved Yankees, so I probably won't be able to watch uh, a significant part of it. But uh, we got a full season on the way. We're starting. It's it's the end of March, beginning of April. What, what? How could you not be excited about this? For for what all all we've gone through in the last over a year now. We're going to have America's pastime back. Hopefully it's good weather, at least for the Yankee uh, Blue Jay game tomorrow. It's not expected to be. Um, Temperature is supposed to be in the 30s and 40s in the New York metro area with uh, rain all day, sometimes downpours. Um, so chances are it doesn't, there's a good chance it won't happen tomorrow. Friday, I, I think in terms of precipitation, the weather clears up, but um, it's still going to be very cold in New York as it's going to be here in my studio here in central Michigan. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited. My, my expectations usually, I mean, Dennis, you know this as a Yankee fan, um, obviously our expectations are always very high. 
beginning of the season. Um, but usually around opening day, my expectations are more subtle. Not that I don't have them, but they kind of go on the back burner for a second. I'm just happy to watch a team, even if my team is going to turn out to be absolute garbage. Um, and I don't know if you would uh, agree or disagree with that, Dennis, as you walk back into the Matt and Dennis studios here. Uh, but I was just saying uh, for our listeners, opening day is usually when I kind of uh, sl- uh, I-, I put my expectations on the back burner for a second. I'm like, I don't even care if this is a terrible season. We're watching baseball again. This is awesome. And again, America's pastime. I, I think we deserve this and uh baseball's back i'm sure there will be some hiccups um due to covid i'm sure that'll happen i'm sure a couple games will be canceled i'm sure some teams high profile players will have to take a a, a little break and quarantine this that and the other but um again just just as sports fans baseball fans as americans we for what we've endured um we deserve baseball to be back we deserve to to have a few beers get a couple hot dogs and then watch watch baseball on a nice spring day big old slice of american pie which as expected or as i mentioned will probably not be a beautiful spring day tomorrow in the new york area it's not going to be here either it's it's going to be sunny here but it's going to be in like the 20s and 30s Uh, tomorrow's i think is the last cold day we're expecting in this area thank goodness it'll be 70s next week um but yeah, Dennis, I'm just excited about opening day. My expectations, if you want to ask me, are high, as they always are. So, I mean, there's nothing new. We'll say the same thing. Oh, well, you're an optimist. We'll say the same things when we, I mean, my expectations are one thing. Reality is another. Um, my my realistic opinion, I do not have the Yankees winning the World Series. Um, I think the Dodgers repeat. And I think a main reason for that is we're already seeing it a little behind schedule, but we're already seeing the the injury bug bite in the Yankees as it always does. A little behind schedule and it's happening a a week before opening day as opposed to a month. No, it's behind schedule because we usually get this news halfway through January. We're like, well, the season ended beginning of October for us. And we're just hearing about this now. And, Usually it's September, February when we get these news about the injuries. Now we're getting well. We got that when Gio Urshela decided to have surgery in the end of December, early January, and he could have had it when the season ended in October. But instead of waiting, Wilson's hurt. hurt. Yeah, Boyd would be a tremendous loss because he's been a complete, uh, just I don't even know the word like the phrase like fire in a bucket, just a spark. Like what's the Lightning, in a, Lightning in a bottle. Lightning in a bottle. There you go. Fire in a bucket. <laughs> I don't know why I said fire in a bucket. I was thinking spark, sparklers, I like, but I like that better. Fire in a bucket. Fire in a bucket. Luke Boyd has been. He's more of a bucket guy. He's not a bottle guy. He's a bucket guy. Oh, I might big have dude. Text our group chat. So Luke Boyd, fire in a bucket. <laughs> and, uh, if he's not there for first base, I mean, I think we'll be all right. DJ LeMay, who has shown that he can clearly play the position and play it well. Thank goodness for the signing of him, but it, you know, it leaves the middle of the infield kind of up for debate of who plays second. It is Urshela, the everyday third baseman, I guess, instead of hey, Luke, kind of rotating. It's like, Luke, come here. I got a nickname for it. Let's hear it. Fire in a bucket. I'm going to email John Sterling and we'll see if he tack, tacks it on to his home, uh, runs, uh, home run balls. That's right, John. <laughs> Oh, John! Is that fire in a bucket? Any hooser. Uh, look, I my expectations are where they should be. 
where the Yankees in my mind are a 90 to 94 win baseball team. I think the Rays take a bit of a step back, but not too much. I am very optimistic for this Blue Jay team. I think their offense is really good. If they stay healthy, they're going to score a lot of runs. I think the pitching is decent enough to keep them in games where their offense can win it. I think the Red Sox slowly climb the ladder, but aren't a worry in my mind. Obviously, the Orioles will be one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the, the division is the Yankees to lose. But after that, it's kind of weird. I'm in a weird spot. Division-wise, everybody's high on the White Sox, as they should be. I think their pitching staff is decent. Their bullpen looks really good. They have some young guys with the bats. And then in the West, are the Angels finally going to take that step? Are the Angels finally going to be that team? The A's traded some key pieces. I think their bullpen will take a hit this year. Will the Astros just continue to be competitive? You'd imagine they would be. They don't have Verlander, so I don't really know. Do they really have an ace, a true ace on that staff? Can you trust Grinky? I, I don't know. Will they get food? Uh, <laughs> but I, look i'm with, i don't know i don't know uh they better get food are we having fans has that been discussed what are there fans in baseball this year they're all yeah okay just like city city by city how it's yeah, been going for other sports tomorrow it's it's just like i think it needs to be like 10 or 20 percent capacity but the yankees will have fans all right good so as long as that 10 20 15 whatever it is sounds like 100 percent and booze them I'll yeah. leave it. I'll leave it at this. Someone I, I I've been listening to Boomer and Geo every morning when I'm getting ready for work, and they had a guy call in. He's talking about the Mets. Got to get out, and the Astros come up, and he's like, "Yeah, they better. The fans better be booing them." And he's like, "No, like, yeah, all like six of them. It's like, hey, boo." <laughs> <laughs> Just one or two drunk guys in the crowd. Yeah, boo, boo, boo. Hey, hey, Bregman, boo. You know what sucks too is that if they actually come off and play a game tomorrow. George Springer, who's in Toronto, he's on the he's on the injured list. He's not even playing. So I didn't even think about that. I completely forgot he went to Toronto. He did, right? I'm not no. talking out of my uh, keister. He's in Toronto. Yeah, because the Mets thought they were going to get him there for a second. Ooh, how unfortunate! But yeah, I'm with you. I think the Dodgers. Uh, I think the Dodgers repeat. I think they're just too stacked offensively. The pitching is just otherworldly. Walker Bueller works his pitch count up. He's going to start the number three probably for that team. You kidding me? He was a Cy Young candidate two years ago. So, yeah, I, I think it's the Dodgers. I'm looking at the Padres to hopefully take that next step. I think the Mets can be competitive. I think the Mets can win that division. I still think it's the Braves to lose. Uh, but yeah, well, I think I think we'll have a full-on baseball preview. We can get deep into this yeah. with our good buddy Ellis Gill. We'll wrap this bad boy up. Mateo, any closing thoughts? I would just add to what you were saying about the Mets and just say whether it's the Mets or I think I think it'll be the Braves. But that division, to me, um, is going to be the most fun to watch in baseball this year. NL East? Yeah, I'm really excited okay. for the NL East this year. I think the Phillies have gotten better. The Braves, I think, are the favorite. The Mets have gotten significantly better. The Marlins made the playoffs last year. and They did. That's true. Granted, Can't it forget was, about that. It was an expanded playoffs, but they, they, they've been getting better, too. So there will – chances are they'll still probably be in the basement. You obviously have the Nationals there as well. Chances are the Marlins will be in the basement, but I, I, I think there's there's not many divisions where the majority of the teams in the division have all improved. Yeah, I, I good think. thoughts. And, hey, with that, with your expansion talk, we didn't even dive in. The NFL, 17 games this year. We can talk about we'll, that. Next we'll definitely get into that because, obviously, we'll have more and more draft coverage because, hey, Matt, this is going to post on April Fool's Day, April 1st. 
So maybe it's a joke. Maybe it won't be posted. Giants trading up for you know because you've been listening. So obviously you know when the when the date was posted. But Giants, yeah. Giants trading up for the number one pick, getting Devontae Smith. That would be awful. Are you kidding me? Danny Dimes. Why would we trade up to number one to get a receiver? No, you're right. You're out of your good. I'm ending it here. Also, I do want to say farewell to the great Matt Scarano and his football team because I did see your numerous uh, retweets of the Bonnaroo lineup. So I would imagine that that concert is in full swing. Ergo, you will not be attending the great Mike Osa's house for our yearly draft uh, unless you want to draft remotely, which technically isn't allowed. But we'll have conversations. Here's the thing. I If that's the case, We'll have to figure it out, but I'm still as excited I am about the lineup release. I'm still not 100% sold on this festival actually happening. So we will see. We will discuss between now and then. But yeah, I think we're well, as someone that enjoyed having you in our fantasy football league. I hope Bonnaroo was canceled. But for all the thousands of people that don't want to shower for five to six days, I hope Bonnaroo goes off with a smashing hit. If if Dennis. We'll figure something out, but if this was the one and only year I was in that league, I've never missed the playoffs. So it's true. It's good for you. Good for you. With that said, put a ball on this bad boy. Follow us on Twitter, Matt and Dennis Pod. Follow us on Facebook, Matt and Dennis. Follow us. Dennis D Menace 21, 90. I don't even know what the number is by back tag. He's M Scars 391. Follow us. Follow us on the sidewalk. If you see us, just just come. Yeah, just, just follow us. Just start like speed walking and getting faster and faster, and you make us run, and then we're scared, and then you follow us into an alley, and then you pin us down to the ground and just say, "I'm a loyal listener to Matt and Dennis podcast," and we will thank you. Yeah, we yeah we won't call the cops at that point if you yell. Yeah, just follow us out in public. (laughs) We'll give you an autograph, and uh, Uh, if you have a pen, or we'll just take a selfie with you because that's what people do. (laughs) For Matt Scarano, I am Dennis Fincy. Thank you as always for joining us. Enjoy the Final Fours. Enjoy the national title games. Enjoy opening day in baseball. Matt. Baxter, bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. Adios.